2: Pace with Alex and Fauci, Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex and if I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We how can go going? head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. Switch, we got Holly Burton running point This is a Benedict for the shot If anybody gon' come in the post Then we got Jalen Smith for the block Setting the pace, going to the top Setting the pace, going to the top This is your number one
3: podcast Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop Smooth
2: What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace I'm your host, Alex Golden And joining me is the lovely, the one and only Michael J. Fachi Fachi. We got a special guest coming on today. Let the people know who it is.
1: That we do, we have Bob Kravitz coming on, a recurring guest. Bob's been on quite a few times, always insightful when he does. You know, hop on the show and uh, he's got a lot to discuss today. I don't want to spoil what we're getting into, but uh it's going to be a fun conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The trade deadline is rapidly approaching Focci, so we're kind of sitting on our hands here waiting to see if anything happens. But until then, we're just kind of in sitting uh wait mode, and the Pacers, probably not going to be as busy as they were last year, Focci.
1: I don't think so. And it's disappointing because the, the trade deadline is like the mystery box if anything could happen at any time. And last year, we didn't expect the Tyrese Halliburton-Demonta Sabonis trade, so I can't rule out that something fun or exciting could happen, but the way things have been trending, it's been a really quiet deadline. Pacers have been rumored for some players, but I don't think they're going to be major players at the deadline.
2: You never know what's up, Kevin Pritchard sleeve. I was asked today on the radio, one and a half players traded under over. My my bet was over. Fachi, I'm curious what yours would be.
1: I'm going to say under. I, I think the Pacers really do look to find a home for Goga. I think it's going to be an underwhelming move because I don't see him cracking the rotation uh, You know, following the trade deadline. But I, I just think like Chris Duarte's value is not where you wanted it to be. I don't see the Pacers moving a guy like O'Shea. And if you're going to move one of those smaller contracts, it would have to be a much bigger deal. And I don't know if I see the Pacers – pulling off like a splash at the deadline but they could look to flip a guy or two for maybe an additional pick just to clean this rotation up a bit especially as it relates to the bigs
2: yeah no I, I get that it's I said Goga and Tice would be the two moved they asked me to give the names that I picked so that's that but uh let's go ahead and take a quick break Fachi. we don't want to talk too much we got Bob Kravitz coming on he's going to give us a lot of information so Bob will be joining us right after this
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: All right, everybody joining us now on Setting the Pace from The Athletic. It's Bob Kravitz. Bob does a great job covering the Colts and the Pacers, and we are here to talk Pacers. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the Colts, too, that You can check out Bob's work and make sure you read all that on the coaching search. But, Bob, how's it going, man? Welcome back. It's going good, man. Nothing major happened this weekend.
4: So that's good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's Ah, good for sure. Uh, But, no, there was an interesting story that came out with you and Sam Amick reporting on that. Uh, A little incident involving the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant, and some of his uh, entourage, I guess you could say, that was with him. And there was obviously some stuff that happened during the game. People were escorted off. The, the court, and then stuff that happened afterwards. So I, I don't want to get too deep into like all the details, but maybe just kind of walk us through some of the stuff you heard, some of the stuff you reported on, and maybe give us a little bit more of a, of a backstory of what's happening.
3: Yeah,
4: basically I found out uh, it was a late Friday night that uh, this had occurred and the, the Pacers, uh, I talked with a couple of people who are in their traveling party, and they made it very clear what happened that um, uh, some of uh, John Morant's associates, I guess we called them, uh, his friends, um, got very verbal, uh, not only during the game, but after the game. They were waiting for them pretty much in the loading dock after the game. And after John Morant came out, he went into a car, an SUV. There were two cars that these guys were driving. And the uh, SUV drove really close to the bus, and a red laser was aimed at the at the Pacers people. They were scared to death. The security person uh, on uh, with the group was overheard saying that's one hundred percent a gun. Uh, I don't think he was doing a PowerPoint presentation at that moment. So yeah. I think. A gun is probably damn likely. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that's kind of where it's at. The uh, NBA looked into it. The Grizzlies say they looked into it. Um, You've got two organizations here, the NBA and the Grizzlies, who really don't want this story coming out, who really don't want people thinking ill of uh, one of the top young players in the league but there it is um and and there's there's precedent for this they've they've had problems on and off the floor not only with job ja, but especially with his associates so uh the pacers are very upset they felt threatened and that's where we are you know obviously
1: a scary scene it's it's easy for a lot of people to make light of it but those in the moment i mean obviously could have been fearing for the worst I know that we heard in the article that there was a few Pacer players that were, you know, maybe going back and forth or part of that verbal altercation. Was there any names in specific of the members of the team that might have been involved?
4: No, I'm not aware of specific players. All I was told was there were players, um, there were coaches, and there were members of the support staff, both men and women.
2: So that's as specific as I got. I'm just curious, I don't know if you can follow up on this or if you have any information, but obviously when the red laser was shining, after that, how did that all kind of die down eventually? Did they just drive off or? Well, they drove off, yeah. Okay. They.
4: What happened was they they were parked, they they, they came uh, within 20, 30 feet of the Pacers when they were yelling and screaming and threatening them. Uh, then uh, they went back, when Jock ja came out of the locker room, they went back to their cars at that point the one suv the jaw was in slowed up uh went by the pacers bus and that's when the red laser was aimed at the uh at the pacers traveling party so um they were very they were convinced that it was a gun and again i don't think it was a powerpoint presentation
1: i don't think so either and at this point it's just yeah, you mentioned John Morant, very special talent. Definitely does not need to be involved in these type of situations because you, know, you want to just talk about Ja the human being, Ja the player, and there's a lot right. to like over there. But you want to obviously make sure you're surrounding yourself with you know,
4: people that are not going to put you in a dangerous situation. Uh, right. But Yeah, I was just going to say, you know what it reminds me of, guys, and you're a little young to remember this, but in the early days of Alan Iverson, there are very similar concerns. And he was surrounding himself with people who didn't have his best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And um, this feels like the Allen Iverson situation all over again. And to your point over there, I know Allen Iverson, Michael Vick, grew up in a
1: similar part of Virginia, and and it was the same knock on Michael Vick. And I know he ended up getting dragged down by people in, you know his associates, friends, whatever you want to call them. So obviously we don't want that to happen to anyone, and we don't want to be putting – Anyone in harm's way, not just players, but coaches, people of the training staff, all the above. But now, Bob, we're also, you know, kind of transitioning. We got about 48 hours to go into the NBA trade deadline. It's been quiet out here. And the trade deadline is always a really fun time with typically a lot of movement. But the Pacers are that team really, maybe you could make an argument as stuck in the middle as it gets. They're in the playing territory right now, but they're also a couple losses away from potentially picking top five. Right. See the Pacers as buyers or sellers with two days to go.
4: I think they're either do-nothing people or they're sellers. Um, I I think that they're going to make some moves around the edges, the fringes, uh, as it were. Um, I I don't see them going out and getting, getting an Ananobi or getting a John Collins or a Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I don't see them doing that. I, I think they want to uh, hold on to their to their draft pick. I, I think they realize, I think in a really weird way, this latest losing streak is kind of good. You yeah. know, I, I think it's been good for this organization to understand that, you know, they're in a situation where if they just lose one player, they are really in bad shape. And especially if that one player happens to be Tyrese Halliburton so I think it became clear to them that they need they need a lot more uh, uh, help. So I, I think again, you know, lo- losing has I think made them understand that they need to be sellers, if anything, at the trade deadline.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a great point, and obviously, Carlisle's been saying it almost every interview that I've heard him do, talking about the 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 roster. Just you know, we got to get more talent on it. So. There's no doubt about it. There's a shortage of talent in terms of being uh, an elite contender. But in terms of sellers, are there any players in mind that you think they'd be willing to, to sell that aren't maybe some of your lower-level players, kind of like your Goga Batadze, as we know, like he's a guy that's obviously out of the rotation, right. but maybe a bigger name, kind of like a Buddy Heel guy, Duarte Buddy Heald. I don't know what you think about Buddy or not, but that's an yeah, interesting Yeah, uh,
4: you know, it's weird with Buddy. That's a tough one because they've got the money to afford him. Mm -hmm. I realize he's 30 years old, but you look at great shooters. You look at the Reggie's and the, and the, um, you know, guys like that. Shooters can shoot until their late Mm thirties. You know, it's not like he's a super athletic guy, um, who, uh, is going to lose his edge at the age of 33 or what have you. I guys who can shoot, shoot really, uh, late into their careers. So, uh, I think they hold on to heel. I think Duarte and maybe uh, those two lower or later uh, first-round picks are more likely to be moved if they make any move at all.
1: And if the Pacers are to not find a new home for Goga, do you think they ride this out to the end of the year, or do you think they could potentially look at a buyout situation? Because with Daniel Tice returning – it's he ain't, he, feels, he ain't playing. It feels impossible to get Goga on the court and you kind of wish he could go somewhere to be able to get on the court.
4: Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think, I think you're looking at a buyout situation probably, but I don't have a lot of insight on that. So I'm not going to BS you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and speaking of Daniel Tice, he's a name too, that kind of feels like he could be a player that they do look to try to sell off right. of as well. Veteran veteran player that could help a, a playoff team in that rotation comes right in once he gets back from injury and takes Isaiah Jackson Jalen Smith back up five minutes so I mean what do you think the Pacers really look like they're going to be able to do with Daniel Tice I mean is this something that they're looking just to get off his money maybe get a second round pick I mean what do you think the value is for yeah I
4: think I think they're a seller there I mean uh Tice has not thrilled me in the few games that he's played I I don't think he fits really well into what they're doing I I think He's a guy that they're gonna to look to move um here in the next couple of days.
1: Well, speaking of a guy that the Pacers didn't move, Miles Turner. I mean, yeah. pa- Pacer how, Nation
4: How wrong was I boys? <laughs> it's not
1: just you though. I mean, no one really felt confident the Pacers could get a deal done prior to a either their deadline or B prior to free agency. The Pacers end up avoiding that whole mess of you know negotiating during free agency. They signed Turner to two additional years, but they get very crafty with the remaining salary cap they had for this year. What was your initial reaction on the Miles Turner extension?
4: Well, first shock, because, again, as you guys know, I was completely convinced that he wasn't going to resign here. But I thought it was brilliantly done, and I think it puts them in a position where, if Miles isn't terrific the rest of the year, he's, he's very tradable. I mean, he's at, what, 22 and 19? The, the next two years, that yeah. is a great contract for anybody who wants to make a deal. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're saying that, you know, he's not going to be traded obviously this, this year, but if they, he's still going to be uh, rumored to be traded uh, from here on out. So, <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's smart. I think they want to find out if we give this guy this big money Will he stay as motivated and inspired as he's been all season in a year where it's a contract year and he needed to play extraordinarily well? Will he continue to do so? If he does, then maybe you hold on to him. If he doesn't, then I think you move off him.
2: Yeah, I was going to say it was an interesting wording. I mean, but I think it was purposeful with what your article said. You know, you said Turner's, you know, resigned. He's here for at least this year. Yes. and you know, you left that open window there in terms of then maybe uh, moving off of him, like you said, in the off season. And I even had some friends that were like, everybody's talking about, you know, all the Turner rumors are dead now. He's resigned. They're, like, they're like, no way. They're they're, getting started, boys. Yeah, they just made his contract even more tradable, more enticing for people to trade for him. So, I That's mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think they need to move off of him. I think he's been really awesome he's this been year.
4: Right. He's been and
2: great. I mean, 27 and 10 the other night against the Cavs, even though they took the loss, I mean, Still was probably one of the only productive players on the team. So, you know, why do you think they're so non-committal to Miles overall instead of just saying, hey, we want him for the next three years. We're just committed completely. I mean, they did this big press conference. Why do you think there's still that open window of a treat?
4: I I think they don't know how he's going to play when he doesn't have that carrot at the end of the stick uh, of, of a big contract. I mean, this was, again, he's going into free agency. It's contract year. If you're ever gonna play, and that's why people are like, Oh, he's gonna be upset about the DeAndre Ayton thing. I said, No, he's got a chance to make a lot of money, he's gonna come out and play great. And he has, he's been he's been absolutely terrific, everything you could possibly want from him. But I think the way this, this deal is structured, he's very much um a guy who is going to be on the trade block because teams don't have to – he's not a rental anymore. You know, he's going to be a guy who has a couple of years left on his deal. So I think it was good for the Pacers, and I think it was it was good for Miles, and I think it, it gives them flexibility.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I do think it was a win-win for both parties. I feel like Turner probably could have fetched a little bit more on the open market if teams did not, have a need for centers. but. yeah.
4: He probably could have gotten a longer Yes, exactly. But uh, you keep in mind, he'll become a free agent at the age of 28. And that's also the year that the uh, NBA TV deal comes up. And there's every reason to believe that there's going to be a lot more money in the kitty. And he's going to be in a situation where he could really clean up if he's playing well.
1: Yeah, being able to hit free agency once more for Turner while still, you know, looked at in his prime or prior to mm-hmm. turning at least 30 years old, great opportunity for Miles, especially how the team set up now with Tyrese Halliburton. We've already seen that, you know, Tyrese is able to get the best out of everyone. But, yeah. look, you know, looking at the team, I mean, Bob, coming into the year, Pacers predicted to win, say, 23, 24 games. They're at 25 wins right now, 25 and 30. You already matched last year's win total, However, obviously, given the start at one point being 23-18, and it it feels like it's hard to call this year an overall success. But obviously, if it wasn't for that Tyrese Halliburton injury, things
4: could be very well different. I, I, I think it's been a success, to be honest with you, because they are building something really good here. At the same time, they still may be a top five, top seven, get a top five or top seven pick. In what everybody says is a really good, really deep draft that goes well beyond and Yama. I mean Scoot Henderson, all these guys, uh George Baylor. So I mean, there's there's a lot of players out there. So I think this has been a success because we found out that guys like Neesmith can play. We found out that Halliburton can be an all-star. Uh, we've seen what Miles can do. Buddy Healed is you know, having one of the best seasons, if not his best season of his career. So I think even if they go in the dumper at this point, I think it's been a pretty, uh, pretty successful
2: season by most standards. Definitely exceeded expectations for sure. I don't think anybody had them, you know, at, at the 10th seat in the Eastern Conference. A lot of people had them, you know, 13, 14, 15. Nobody expected oh, yeah. this. So they they've done really well. I think that month of December was super fun and, and it was kind of Nice to see them like top five in the East for a little bit. Just like, okay, is this real or yeah. not? And I think I think we all kind of knew that it wasn't real. We were waiting for that moment to like crush them. But who would have thought that it would have been a it would have taken a Halliburton injury really to kind of put them this far under, uh, you know, in the in the, in the win win loss column. But you know, I'm just kind of curious because we talked about Buddy Hield being a great shooter, what he can do. Obviously, I don't anticipate them trading him this year, probably not next year either. I mean, he'll be in expiring next year, so that can always change. But Benedict Mathern feels like the future at the two guard. But since Halliburton's come back, it looks like his minutes have dropped, and it looks like Carlisle's leash looks a little bit tighter on him than usual. It does,
4: doesn't it? Yeah, I, I was at the game the other day against uh, the Lakers, and Benedict played, I think, 20 minutes. Yeah, 20.
2: Yeah, and, he, and I was at the Kings game, and there was this moment where he had this isolation play in the second quarter on the right side, right in front of the bench, and it was like Tice was like in the post, and then Tice just kind of cleared out for Matherin to isolate, and as soon as he went to the isolation, Carlisle looked down and uh, called for Nimhard to come to the scores table, and I thought, that's kind of weird. I was in the balcony, so I couldn't really tell what was being said, but I just thought, that's kind of bizarre, and then they put Ty- Tyrese back in as well from McConnell. And McConnell slammed the table when he came out at the scores table. So I thought, man, something must be going on here where there's just like this tighter leash for whatever reason with Mather. Maybe they're just doing something that they don't like.
4: Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. And I have not asked Rick about that, but if this continues, uh, I'll definitely bring it up. Um, I was surprised too. I mean, Nemhard Nemhard played what? 30 something minutes the other night yeah. against the Lakers and Benedict 20 minutes. I mean, that, yeah, something, something's going on. Um, you know, I remember early in the season, Rick saying it's just a matter of time before this guy's in the starting lineup. And right. he's, still, he's still their big scorer off the bench. And I don't mind that as long as he's playing down the stretch, you know, mm-hmm. as long as he's getting significant minutes. So I'm as confused as you are. And it's okay. definitely a question that needs needs to be asked.
1: Exactly. It's not like Matherin hasn't proved something where uh, this is why he's not in the starting line. Clearly, they like him off the bench being that go-to score there. And, and it makes sense. And at times, it's, it's been a really good move. But do you think the fact that the Pacers got off to such a hotter start above expectations that it's kind of inhibited some of the younger players that like we've now seen, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, at times fall out of the rotation when those are Two guys that everybody was very high on last year and expected a bigger jump in year two.
4: Yeah, I I, I wonder if they just kind of fell in love with the idea of winning,
0: mm-hmm. you
4: know, which is perfectly reasonable. I would mm-hmm. I would suspect, but yeah, I I really thought you now Duarte obviously came off the injury and it was just god awful, but uh, you know he's he's coming around now. Uh, I really like Jackson. That's why I wouldn't mind seeing the move Tice you know just to get some more minutes for him um for uh um yeah for uh who was i talking about again jackson jackson thank you <laughs> um, so yeah uh it's been a little it's been a little uh, stunning actually to see how their minutes have uh, have uh, diminished
2: No, I I completely agree. And I'm not trying to overreact. I feel like the whole Tice thing is just try to get his value up as much as possible. But I think so, too. And we we heard Carlisle say after the Kings game that he would give the game ball to Tice. It's like, okay, he is definitely gassing him up just like he did before they traded him. And so I've been reading into that for a while. He did the same thing for Brogdon after the trade deadline last year. So, you know, that's that's Rick's MO. He's really kind of Savvy about it doesn't really show too much emotion, but you can just kind of read through the tea leaves there. But uh my last question for you here, it's like there's such a weird dynamic with how the standings look because if you look at the Western Conference, the Lakers have a better record than the Pacers, but they're 13th in the West. So that means yeah. only two teams in the West have worse records than the Pacers right now at 10. And the that means the Pacers would be around seven. I think they're tied for the seventh worst record in the NBA. So they could still technically make the play-in game and still be. A, like but they could still be a top eight team, is what I'm saying in the draft. So oh, they, yeah, that's true. That's so true. there's that that double-edged sword of like you could maybe get two games of experience with the playing thing. Hopefully, you don't win it to get to the playoffs. But with the way the records re- like go back to reseeding of the records, you could still be in that seven to eight range. I think that you maybe just kind of write it out and let it be what it is.
4: Yeah, I, I think so. And again, uh, with the trade deadline, I don't think you're in a position just yet to go and improve your team measure immeasurably. measurably, I think you got to get assets. I look, I mean, I think it would be, uh, you know, there's value I think in making uh, the playing game, but at this point, I just want as high a draft pick as I could possibly get if I'm the Indiana Pacers. And
2: no, I guess you, um,
4: I, I just think if you put yourself back in with a chance with 10% chance, whatever the number might be, um, I think you take that risk because this team, you know, they're they're interesting, they're exciting, they're more fun to watch than any team I've seen in the last couple of years here in Indiana. But I they're they're still there's still a ways away. And um, you know, I'm not sure that one or two games is really worth uh losing a chance at uh picking high in that draft.
1: I'm right with you. Look, despite being 25 and 30, I'm having a blast watching this team. I know many others are. And I do think if you could add one more stud in the draft, one yes. more top 10 pick, you could go a long way with a core that's already featuring Halliburton, Matherin, Turner, Nemhard. I mean, there's a lot of young players to be excited about. Then you have other good rotational players that could develop. So I'm very excited where the Pacers are at. But, Bob, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show once again. Always a pleasure to have you on. Please tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome content that you're putting out.
4: Well, I'm at the athletics, so go to the uh, theathletic.com, and uh, hopefully you'll subscribe. It's not terribly expensive. We've got some good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a dedicated Pacers writer these days. We used to, um, but uh, I try to fill in the blanks where I can. So, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter
2: at Kravitz. Great stuff, and I'm going to ask you one Colts question here to round things out. Prediction: I don't know. (laughs) Who do you want to be the next head coach? I'm thinking
4: I got three choices. Raheem Morris, because I like guys who've done it before, and there are two young offensive minds, uh, Brian Callahan and Shane Steichen, who I think would be uh, really interesting uh, coaching candidates, especially since the Colts are going to go get themselves a quarterback here. In the upcoming draft, or one would think. What quarterback are you wanting them to get?
3: Mypatriotsupply.com.
4: You know, uh <laughs> well, if, if Bryce Young, if they can move up to one, I'd be happy with Bryce Young. Okay. If not, um, you know, I have not honestly seen a lot of Will Lavis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen more of CJ Stroud. So yeah, I could give you an answer, but it would be complete nonsense. Nah. Uh, you know, I I I like I like physically, you know, the traits that Levis brings. He's a bigger guy. He can run. He's got a really good arm. Uh, but Stroud, man, Stroud looks so good in the playoffs. So I don't know. I, I don't think they can go wrong wherever they go. Patchy, what do you think? I
1: mean, I, I'm far more familiar with Stroud uh, as well as Bryce Young. Going to be honest, did not watch a lot of Kentucky games. Over I did the last not either. Years. Yeah, they were pretty
2: irrelevant. So I don't blame you.
1: Exactly. I'm not going to act like I know a lot about his game, but I don't think you can go wrong with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I just don't think Bryce Young's fallen <laughs> past uh one. I
4: think that the Bears could end up doing a trade. I think so too. And that trade may involve the Indianapolis Colts.
2: Yeah, Good. it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, yes, I'm pro- so. I'm probably more intrigued by Levis than a lot of people, just because, mm-hmm. like you said, all the traits, but uh, it'll be fun. But anyway, Bob, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll right. have you on again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. There you have it. Bob Kravitz, Fachi. What do you think about what he had to say?
1: Always a pleasure having Bob on. I mean, obviously, Bob was the one that kind of broke the article out there about the Grizzlies and Pacers situation. Very unique situation that, you know, he had some good details on. I I really hope in the end that it wasn't a gun because it's like, what are we doing here? We're here to play basketball when it wasn't Um, a
2: PowerPoint presentation.
1: Bob made it very clear it was not a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm going to be honest. I used to play around with uh, laser pointers when I was, I don't know, below the age of 10, but uh, never in a harmful way. More of like you might bring it into school and and shine it on the board a little bit, distract your teacher, not uh, trying to disguise it as anything else.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I've even seen, you know, people have like lasers on like a BB gun and stuff like that where they've shined them at people before. I'm not saying it was a BB gun. I'm just saying, you know, I've seen lasers on guns too before where people are just like, just trying to be done with it. And maybe that's what it was. I mean, I probably would believe the Pacers team security knowing it was a gun laser versus anything else. So uh, obviously a scary situation. Glad it seems resolved. Thought it was interesting that, you know, the Pacers players were asked about it and Carlisle was asked about it. And the Pacers YouTube channel for their post-game press conference took those questions off on the video. So they're really trying to keep this hush hush and just kind of move on from it. So we don't want to hammer that too much. But one thing I thought that was super interesting, and I'm sure people are going to get mad about saying Miles Turner is <laughs> a trade candidate in the offseason. I just thought that was funny that he brought that up. Um, I think a lot of people are just hoping that Turner stays here. We can put these rumors to bed. But yeah, I do feel like, unfortunately, there's going to be some talks of that potentially in the offseason
1: when you're talking about putting these rumors to bed, I, I'd like to tuck them in. You know, I'll fluff the pillow and everything, <laughs> put them to sleep, because at this point, I just want to be able to move on from it. There was yeah. this span where we were always like, well, Turner could get moved. We're hearing this team is interested. I At this point, it feels like Turner could retire and they'd still be talking about trading him. <laughs> it, it's it's going to follow him forever. He just seems to be the trade rumor guy. But for right now, we're 24, 48 hours away from the deadline while we're recording this. I do not see Turner getting moved now, and I don't see him getting moved in the offseason, but yeah. we can't say that he can't get moved overall because, hey, still got two more years to play on that contract, and it's a very appealing contract around the league.
2: Yeah, never say never. It depends. If you get Wembe does that change your thinking on things? You know what I'm saying? Like That's why I'm saying never say never. But yeah, I- I'll just put it this way. I like what Bob said about how they wanted to see if this was – a, more than just a prove it year for miles. If he can do it consistently, that's why they didn't want to commit the four years, that kind of thing. So it does make some sense behind the logic. And they were in that unique situation with the renegotiation contract to offer him the additional money up front. So I, I think it makes sense. But Focci, um I think that's going to wrap up our episode for today. So let the people know where they can find us at on the good old social media.
1: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And, Alex, tell them where they can
2: check us out on YouTube. You can go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, to find all of our content there. Going to do my very best to have this Bob Kravitz episode available on YouTube as well. So it'll be available on the audio version. Usually always will be for about 24 hours. And then we put the YouTube video up just because we like our podcast listeners that are faithfully subscribing to get the content first. So check out that as well. But Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to be back in action against the Miami Heat on Wednesday night, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top.
3: And the pace going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. <laughs>